Beyond the Wrench with Jay Ganinen from Wrenchway. Welcome to Beyond the Wrench. My name is Jay Ganinen and I am your host. On this week's episode, we were joined by Caroline Daly. Caroline is a recent high school graduate who graduated top of her class as a valedictorian and really has a fascinating story in terms of what's so appealing about our industry to her. She has gone through the auto academy at her school and really has a a, a cool outlook on the industry as a whole and then has some really good feedback for us in terms of maybe some limitations she sees in going the tech school route as compared to the university route, which she's off to the University of South Florida to study engineering. And I think she had some great feedback for us in the industry to be able to understand maybe what some of the concerns are with a young person looking to get into the business. And we also got to talk a lot about Skills USA and her involvement with Skills. She's very involved at a national level with Skills USA and just a lot of really, really impressive stuff out of Caroline. She's a, an incredible person. The sky's the limit for her. And I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. This podcast was sponsored by Lithia Motors. Uh, Lithia Motors is one of the largest automotive group retailers in the United States and is among the fastest growing companies in the Fortune 500. They are focused on providing customers with an honest and simpler buying and service experience. They give customers straightforward information so they can make confident decisions. Lithia is an outstanding partner of ours. Shout out to Steve Hamry and the whole group at Lithia. Just a lot of really, really awesome people who we're lucky to call friends. As for this week's episode, enjoy it with Caroline. She is a rock star, and I think you'll learn a lot about how young people look at us in this industry. So enjoy the show, and we'll talk to you next week. On this week's episode, I have the pleasure of being joined by Caroline Daly. Caroline, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing excellent. How about you? I am great. I am great. And I'm really excited for this podcast. We had a a really fun conversation in the intro to this. And I, I think there's a lot that we can learn from your perspective. That'll be a lot of fun. So before we get into it, let's learn a little bit about you. You had just recently graduated high school and doing some great things for with with Skills USA. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from, and and what did you do in school? Yeah. All right. Well. Like you said, I'm Caroline. I just graduated from Northeast High School in St. Petersburg, Florida, in the lovely Sunshine State. While I was in school, I was in the automotive and manufacturing program. So it was sort of a split where I learned a lot about cars, but I also learned general manufacturing things like additive manufacturing, which is like 3D printing, as well as CNC design work, et cetera, just sort of things that were kind of good for something that I'm interested in in the future, engineering. But yes, now I've graduated, so I have all of that experience under my belt, and I'm moving on to the next chapter. Um, I'm going to USF studying exploratory engineering, but in the meantime, this summer, I have an internship at this company called Umbra, where I'm just getting some more introduction to engineering and all of that sort of thing. That is awesome. And USF, University of South Florida, right? Yeah, University of South Florida. And is that, where is, is that outside of Tampa? It's just inside Tampa. Just inside Tampa. Okay. Yes, yes. I've driven past the campus before and I couldn't recall where exactly it's at, but pretty cool school. That's uh, congratulations on on heading that direction. I, I want to start with asking what drew you to this side of of the world in general? Like what 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 was appealing about automotive to you? 
Well, it's kind of a funny story to me, at least. When I was in seventh grade, I joined the robotics team at my middle school. And part of that, we literally were just building model cars that we could like remote control drive. And right down the street was Northeast High School from where I live. And they had the automotive program. And I realized, well, it's close. It's convenient. Why not? It'll give me everything I need to get started. So I just joined on a whim and I got in. And it was really just a great opportunity. And that was kind of the stepping stone to all the courses you would take throughout high school and everything like that. It was just that random thing that kind of piqued your interest. Yeah, pretty much. Just (laughs) joining that, seeing how it worked, wanting to know more, and then jumping straight into it. Did you, do you have any family that's in the industry? Not directly, but I know that my grandfather was interested in it. My older brother, who he moved out well before I was knowledgeable of all of this, he was interested in it. And they, they didn't directly influence my interest of it. I just came onto it on my own, but I do know now that I have interest in it, that they do too. So that makes some pleasant conversations at Thanksgiving. Right. Yeah. You have plenty of stuff to talk about for sure. Now, along the way you got involved with Skills USA. Can you tell us a little bit about your involvement with Skills USA? Yeah. I joined Skills USA when I was a freshman. I joined because I saw a video and I was just like, really nervous about everything. I was lacking confidence and I had no idea what I wanted to do. And I was just stressing out about it. So I said, I need to do something. I need to jump into it. I just need to take the dive. And then I saw Skills USA. My automotive instructor showed us a video about it and asked for people who wanted to join. And I was like, let's do it. Let's try it. And right out the gate, he said, you should go for regional office. And I guess I did because I was... (laughs) I was in a yes mood. I was like, yes, yes, yes. Let's just go for it. You really Um, jumped in. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Just led one thing to another and I got to where I am now in national office. So what what is it that you do in the national office or with the SkillsUSA national as a whole? Kind of everything that I've always done, but at a bigger scale. So what I usually do is I help support conferences. SkillsUSA has a program of work that has different levels into it. Like we have community engagement, which is more of a service aspect, but we also have the championships program, which is competitions for all sorts of different career pathways. Like automotive is one of them. I mean, there's like six, seven different automotive competitions because it's such a widespread field, but we also have things like culinary, IT, manufacturing, and we even get like as specific as like, there are some jewelry making competitions in some states, all of that. So the championships is the biggest thing that Skills USA works towards each year. But there's little aspects in between that are really just made to help students get career ready and help them along their path. That is really cool. And I, as a, I knew we were doing this today, so I've got a, a shirt with the Skills USA logo on it for our friends at Madison Area Technical <laughs> College. But uh, it it's such a cool organization, and I think it does so much for young people in terms of getting them exposure in, in different ways that maybe you wouldn't normally. I, I don't know. Maybe that's it. What, what is your experience with it? That's exactly what my experience is. I think if I had just done high school normally and I would have graduated like two weeks ago, I don't know where I would be. It would just be a spot where I have no idea what's next. I have no idea... Where is it going to lead to? Jobs, non-existent for sure. But SkillsUSA <laughs> introduced me to the world. It There was even help with resumes, interview processes, just the things that you don't learn in high school, but are necessary for any career. So they introduced me to that. I got good at things like that. 
And it really helped me along to not be confused where I am now. Do you, obviously, I'm guessing you would recommend it to another young person or somebody that going back to your freshman year where you were uncertain on whether you wanted to go down this route, but then just kind of said, hey, let's do it. Would you, what advice would you give to maybe that, that young freshman that's out there that might be looking and, and almost confused as to whether they want to pursue it or not? Um, I'd give them the same advice. I kept telling myself over and over again as a freshman, just go for it. (laughs) Good for you. Um, (laughs) It was, I don't know. Sometimes you get in these moods where it's just like, you know what, let's just do it. Let's just go for it. (laughs) And I think having that attitude when trying and going for opportunities is a really useful one to have because it eliminates that fear about uncertainty because everything can work out. And, you know, the only wasted opportunity is the one you don't take, you know? And that's such a a cool outlook. I give you a lot of credit for being mature beyond your years in terms of being able to pursue this. I think that it it gave you, based on our conversation, gave you maybe some exposure. And honestly, there's some level of like, you're just talking to adults a lot in a lot of this, right? You're, you're, I don't know. One of the things I see as a complaint with industry right now is that, hey, these these young people don't want to talk with us. They don't, you know, they want to talk through Snapchat or they want to talk through text. Where this almost kind of forces you to to have those conversations, right? Where you're having maybe some more of those adult type of conversations at a younger age, right? Yeah, that's true. You get thrown into a lot of things. When I first joined Skills USA, I had to speak in front of a room full of adults to actually get my position as regional officer. So I was thinking like, okay, this is going to be strange. I had to mingle. I had to just small talk with them before I actually gave my speech. And I remember thinking, this is really weird. (laughs) They just, they knew a lot more than me. And I remember when I first joined, I knew nothing for obvious reasons. And I just picked up on the smallest things as I went along and just tried to make meaningful conversation with everyone I met and learn everything I can too. And that's such a cool piece. Now let's kind of go, I want to piece all this together, right? Between the high school and Skills USA. And and so I want to dive into your story there a little bit. And going back to the automotive side, can you talk to me a little bit about what you were exposed to in terms of the automotive side in high school? Like what, what was it that you were able to learn about the automotive industry when you were in school? Well, the biggest thing I learned about automotive and automotive and the industry is that there's a huge shortage of people who are qualified to work on cars. So that's a big goal. I know my teacher from this past year, he moved in after my old advisor retired. His biggest goal was to make sure the program didn't die because he understands the value of that program. And he was really helpful in teaching us more about Uh, automotive at large. You know, my old advisor taught us the individual aspects of cars and working on cars, which are, you know, it's an expectation when you're in an automotive program is that you learn how to fix cars. But he also gave us a broader conceptualization of the automotive industry, the type of jobs you can get in the automotive industry, the different fields. I mean, I think about this one day where he brought us in class and he had this huge chart that he drew on the whiteboard. And in it, there were a bunch of boxes that had like pros and cons of each type of field, each like aerial automotive industry. So they were like, you could work for a dealership, you could work for something that services like buses, you could do diesel, you could do anything along that. You could work for a private shop or a shop that's underneath 
a mainstream dealership, that sort of thing. He showed us each and every option there were, the pros and cons for each and what we should look out for when we're actually choosing a job. Wow. And what what is his name? I feel like we should give him a shout out. That is awesome. (laughs) Mr. Johnson. (laughs) Mr. Johnson, (laughs) shout out. All right. All right. (laughs) Shout out, Mr. Johnson. And so I, I think it's cool that you got a more of a bird's eye view of the industry and being able to kind of see how it's laid out. That's one thing. Admittedly, when I was growing up, I probably didn't have the the full understanding of, of the opportunities that are in the industry because they're all over the place. And, and I think what's cool about you is that you see maybe the skill level of some of these technicians and how hard some of this stuff is to work on, right? You, you were able to get exposure to see that it's it's not kind of like that grease monkey, right? These are some pretty talented yeah. people. Yeah, that's very true. It takes a lot to do automotive. That's what I've learned. So some of the kids in my class are just great at every single aspect of a car. Others are really great at thinking the broader concept of a car. And that skill level, it can go anywhere in the field. And I think it's important to realize that you don't have to be good at everything to be successful. Did you like working on cars? I did. I did. I love the hands-on work. Because of COVID, I didn't get as much hands-on experience that one would hope being in the automotive program, but I still learned a lot in this past year, well made up for the lack of the year before. That sucks too, because it is something where you're probably chomping at the bit to get in the shop and be able to kind of use some of the the theoretical or the theory side of of what this business is and being able to apply it. You know, it, a lot of times you learn it in the classroom first and then go apply it. And if you just simply didn't have the exposure to that during the COVID years, that makes it really difficult from a from an educator standpoint too. I remember talking to teachers throughout it and they're like, we're trying to come up with curriculum. We're trying to make sure that our, our kids are learning what they should be, even though we can't be hands-on with them. And in our business in our industry, that is such a disadvantage to not being to not be able to have a full year where you're able to go out and, and show people in the shop. So I uh, I feel for a lot of instructors and a lot of students that went through that because it is it's just different. Yeah, that's very true. I know like whenever I did the book work, I was like, wow, that was interesting and all, but I don't think you really get a grasp of certain things unless you actually do it with your hands. Like I could read about an alternator all day, but seeing it in a vehicle, seeing the varieties that come in vehicles, that's where there's a difference in making me ready to actually work on a client's car. So give me an idea what like for this year, your senior year, how how much were you able to actually get hands-on with a vehicle? Like, were you able to, to tear into things or was it more just kind of component ID or give me an idea of, of what all you guys did? Kind of all of that. Yeah. Our teacher, Mr. Johnson, shouted again. <laughs> <laughs> he made it a goal for us to learn every single day and he made the shop available if we wanted it. So I know I helped another student completely dismantle a car. So we just tore that thing to shreds. That's awesome. <laughs> he gave us a toolkit and said, just start taking things off <laughs> until <laughs> we were just left with the bare bones of this car. So I learned a lot about IDs that way. Um, we also were borrowing these from Pinellas Technical College because we were partnered with them for this dual enrollment. We had these AR things so we could like virtually dismantle an engine or different systems on a car just to learn it before we actually went out in the shop. 
And then we had that shop available so we could actually do it with our own hands and understand it better. So yeah, I had all of that available to me for the ID aspect. And yeah, I had fun tearing apart some of these cars. (laughs) There were also just little things in between that were actual projects on fixing things. So do you get to do like breaks or like, did you get that far into it or is it more of just understanding the systems? So if there's a job available, he'll make it a teaching moment. So one of the students brought in his car. So I actually helped change his brakes. He had this big Jeep. I helped change his brake pads. So what we did was we just took off the tire and then we took off like the holster that goes on top of like the wheel. And then we took out the brake pads and exchanged them. It was surprisingly easy. The worst part was probably just getting the clips to stay in place because it it takes a lot of finger strength <laughs> to get there. And the grease that we had to put on to make sure it yeah, slides, it stays in place longer while actually in the car and it's lubricated enough so that it functions correctly. Smelled terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it was on our hands for days. <laughs> but when we have jobs like that, we do them. So we did a lot of alignments too, because everybody's car needs an alignment once in a while. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's really cool. So it, as you're learning this, I, I want to walk through your decision to go to a four-year school, right? That was one of the things that is always something that we talk about in the industry and being able to see what options are out there. Because from the sounds of it, you did consider possibly going the technician route, but then decided to go the engineering route instead. Can you walk me through maybe your decision-making process a little bit and maybe how seriously you looked at a career in terms of actually working on cars? Yeah, it was a big decision for me. So I really strongly consider technical school. But again, Mr. Johnson was the one who kind of pushed me in the direction of a four-year university because he told me that there's a ceiling for technicians. He has been in the industry for a long time and he is incredibly smart with cars. I think he could like diagnose anything. He could fix anything, right? But he doesn't have a degree. And he's told me that that has stopped him from getting jobs beyond teaching or beyond being a technician simply because he doesn't have that four-year degree on his resume. And it doesn't seem fair, but that's just the world we live in. So that was the biggest thing telling me to go so so that I don't have that ceiling over me for the rest of my life. Just knock it out early so that I can do what I want and I can do what makes me happy. And I still think there's a strong part of me that will work in automotive for a long time because it's just something that is fascinating. And being on the engineering side, I think I can still work on actual cars. You know, maybe it's just a passion project, but I can't imagine that part of my life going away. How cool is that? I and I think going back to what Mr. Johnson said, I think that is a, a true statement, right? Like I do think there's some level of especially if you go the corporate America route where you're you're getting into work with a manufacturer or, you know, if if you're going for engineering, most likely that's probably you're going that direction in some level rather than through a dealership. But we we definitely need engineers too, right? We got to be able to design these things so that we can have vehicles on the road to be serviced. And I think the complexities of the new vehicles and when it comes to doing R&D and that kind of thing, it, you know, there's just, there is a lot of opportunity out there. And I think that's one thing our industry kind of struggles to get our hands around a little bit, right? Is trying to understand like, okay, if if we get a young lady like Caroline that is interested in it, 
how do we make opportunities available to where we we judge it based on the person more so than the education, right? Because I think that that's something that our industry, not only just our industry, I think this is every industry has struggled to get its hands around is that, hey, you know what, if they don't have that degree, they didn't put the time into to be able to go do you know, basically prove themselves that, hey, you can get through this four years. So I think I think it's really solid advice. And I think it's true. And much to the dismay of, of what our industry wants to hear, I think that's one of the major roadblocks in getting really smart people in to be, become technicians. You know, if, if you're looking at it, I don't think you're alone in that regard where you're making that judgment call on whether to go that four-year route or the two-year route. And the biggest worry is that if you go the two-year route, you're you're limiting your potential, right? You're limiting how many career opportunities might be out there. And I think that's the worry for a lot of young people is that if you go down that route, there's a chance at some point in your career that's going to hurt you. And it kind of sucks, but I think it's the reality, right? Yeah, it, it's so true. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's interesting. So now as we go through this, you're going to South Florida to the University of South Florida to be to engineering school. What type of engineering school? Um, Right now I'm doing the exploratory curriculum. So it's more just general STEM, getting credits to get my associate's degree and maybe see which type of engineering I actually want to pursue. But right now, mechanical engineering is one of the most interesting to me. And I'm imagining that I'll pursue my bachelor's in that. Good for you. And mechanical engineering because of automotive or because of just uh, like maybe some options or opportunities that you might get? I I think it's fascinating with the job that you just took on that it it should allow you to kind of tinker and, and learn more about the industry in general, right? Yeah, it should. Umbra is the new company that I work for. I just have an internship for the summer with them. And that one's just more general engineering. I work with a lot of engineers, a lot of young people who are at college and learning the same things I am working together just to create new things and help out different companies within the area. And I know I'm going to get a lot of experience from that. And I know that going to USF is going to give me even more experience to know what I'm passionate in. Um, And going back to what you said before, mechanical engineering, I think, is a very versatile field of engineering that can apply to many things, not just automotive, even if automotive was one of the first things that led me to getting there. And I'm just excited to see what I can do after I have that new knowledge under my belt. Yeah, it's it's cool. So assuming you're good at math, right? Decent. Decent. (laughs) I'd say better than a normal person, especially (laughs) with a good teacher. (laughs) I I think that's kind of important, but... I, I think overall, I think it's it's really cool that you are looking at our industry as one that you want to to pursue further, that you you want to grow in and and learn about. As you're learning more about this, are there any things that you might see that maybe are misconceptions about the industry or things that might not? line up with what you would have thought or, you know, whether it's the the quality of person that a technician is in a lot of cases or the complexity of the vehicles. Is there anything that maybe somebody that's in your class that doesn't have a background that you do now might have misconceptions about about our industry with in general? So many misconceptions. <laughs> Ever since I was little, I just noticed in media or just from the way people talked about it, they saw automotive as dirty work. You know, there's that stigma around being in a trade, especially when you work on cars, that they think that is 
something an idiot does, but that's not, that's not true at all, which I think should be proved time and time again from the, the type of education you get, the type of experience you get over and over again. It always, when I tell my classmates or when I tell my classmates that I'm in automotive, they're always like, what? that's their first reaction every time is like i didn't know you were an automotive you're an automotive and they never quite understand why i would be but then i tell them it's like yeah it's not it's not like you'd expect because the expectations that automotive is in media is so far from the truth because you need like you need to have a level of intelligence to work on cars you need to have a level of intelligence to diagnose what's wrong with a car and then to identify what you need to fix that problem and then to take care of it well enough to actually give it back and have it be road safe. And everyone's surprised that it's that type of process because I I really don't know why people are surprised by it, but they just see it in a different way than other careers. Yeah. And I think it's just because of the history of it, right? I think, you know, if you look back 50 years or 40 years to what it was, it probably was a more simple industry than what it is right now. And I I think, you know, when, when you talk to a young person, I know somebody that I was having a conversation with talked about the new Ford Lightning and it's an electric vehicle, but it's got like 200 million lines of code. And so like, it's not it's almost like it's a computer on steroids, right? Like it it is so, it's so complicated and there's so many different types of communication systems in these vehicles and, you know, over and above what, you know, maybe a simple oil change is or an alignment, you know, there's, there's so much that goes into this. And I, I think that's where maybe the parents of young people might be leading that direction a little bit uh, to that stereotype or that perception because that's what they knew when they were growing up and that was that was uh, maybe you had the the local mechanic that was doing the stuff and and he showed up oily and and not overly well represented but i i do think that's changed a lot now there is still a a lot of this where it is kind of dirty right you talked about doing breaks and and the fact that you are your hands smell after you know applying the lube or whatever and i i think or the grease and i i think that's something where we're still kind of in that in that space where it is you know there's still a lot of this where you get into it from an entry level standpoint where it is dirty and it is labor intensive is that something that was off-putting to you or was that it was it cool to learn how that worked or give me an idea of like where where you were where you were seeing it at was it still like hey this is still kind of dirty or was it like hey no this is just really cool to learn um i will say like i was apprehensive at first thinking about how dirty you would get but i think at the end of the day you can always get clean i mean the kind of personal protection that you wear. Like I always put on gloves. I always make sure I have my goggles on. We wear coveralls so that honestly, at the end of the day, when we're done with class, we just take it off, wash our hands and we're ready for the next class. I mean, I still had English after (laughs) taking automotive, after changing out those brakes, I still had to go and do writing. So it was really easy to get out of that mindset because it was sort of like, oh, you're temporary in that state. And you know what? It's fun to be in that state once in a while because it just, it gave me more determination to learn actually. Like I know you were talking about it being like labor intensive. That is very true. I'm a small woman. (laughs) So people are always like, how do you do it? And it's just, you find a way. (laughs) There's tools that can help you, or there's just ways that you can move and maneuver that make it easier. 
And it just made me more determined to be able to do it, to prove those people that like, I can do it. I know I can. And that was fun for me on top of that learning aspect about how to service the vehicle. And that, that, don't get it wrong. There's still some major advantages to being smaller in working on a vehicle because you can get your hands in places that a lot of others can't. I got fairly big hands and it's really a pain to to get into places at times. So I, that is definitely true. I've, <laughs> I've come in handy a couple of times when working on a vehicle just because I can maneuver my arms um, and my hands because they're just... They're smaller than the average person in that class. So do you, the, the school itself, this is an auto academy type of thing, or is this, yeah. so talk to me a little bit about that. Explain the program itself. Yeah. So at Northeast High School, we have different career and technical education academies. So the automotive academy is one of them, but we also have the culinary academy, um, the finance academy, and the IT academy. I think we're trying to get a few more academies. One of them's a performing arts academy. But the four that I first mentioned are the main ones that we have on our campus. And there are different career and technical education programs where you can get certifications rather than like a degree education. And all of those are useful to have. So in IT, for example, IT and finance kind of do the same thing with their certifications. They get like Microsoft certifications. Culinary, I'm not actually sure what they get. <laughs> they can just cook really good. No. <laughs> they do cook really good. They like they cater all of our school events and they're like good at it. It's great. I know from automotive standpoint, you know, because I'm in it, but you can get actual certification with ASE. So you can right after graduating high school, you can just jump right into working on cars or working with a shop before you get your master's certification. That's the goal anyway. Um, So you can get those certifications and go right into the field. So yeah, Northeast High School itself offers those programs and students just apply and they go into it. It's a first come first serve kind of deal. And they go through it for four years or three years. If you do like accelerated and you graduate early because that's an option. Yeah, it's a really fascinating program and it's pretty versatile to anyone who applies within the county. So do you make that call when you're a freshman? Or when, when do you say, hey, you know what, I'm going to go down the automotive route? Applications open for eighth graders. So there's a bunch of like career fairs that they do where all of the academies within Pinellas County, not just in Northeast, at every single school that offers one will sit up a booth and say, you should join our academy because blah, 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 blah. If you're fascinated with this, do this, blah, 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 blah. And they just advertise and they accentuate the possibilities of the program so that people join. And that's how I got rolled into it. I saw automotive. I was like, yep, I'm going to apply to this because it seems fascinating. And I was right. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it seems like a lot for an eighth grader to make that call, doesn't it? Or like, it does. like where, because yeah. we always talk about it just amongst my friend group. Like, it's crazy that at 18, you're supposed to be able to make the choice that's going to impact the rest of your life. And before you get those life experiences and you're doing it in eighth grade, really saying, Hey, you know what? This does seem fascinating to me, but I think there's so many advantages to it. Like if you get into that and you learn, you you can start learning as a freshman, what the industry is about and really kind of ingrain yourself into that world I think you'll know a lot about it. And I actually was just, I had an advisory committee meeting last week for our local high school here. And one of the things that stuck out to me that one of the the teachers said was that one of the really good things is that a, a, a kid can learn 
that maybe they don't want to go into that business, right? So like if if they go in and they're like, hey, cars look really cool, and then they get in and then they start doing this stuff and they're like, yeah, this just isn't for me. It, it might it gives them a head start even though they might not have liked that. And he said the the problem is that the students will view it as failing. And he's like, they're not failing. They just learned really fast that that wasn't for them. And I think the same thing can probably be said in this in this capacity to where if you're in it and you're like, man, this just isn't for me, like you, you've no early, right? Yeah, that's very true. And I know at Northeast, like you make that decision as an eighth grader and if you get in, you can go for it. But there's also an opportunity for ninth graders and 10th graders to join in the year after to do a program that they want. So you can switch out and change your schedule if you find that this isn't for you in the first place, but they just give that opportunity to pick yourself back up and try something else, which I really appreciate. Now the academies themselves are still housed within the school, right? They're, they're all like in on, on campus per se. Yes. Yes, they are. They all have their own building or just a classroom specific, like for the smaller ones that they just go to on a regular schedule. I would say that my campus is pretty big though. Like I tell people, it's like, yeah, it's mostly outdoors, you know, all the buildings, like some of the administrators have golf carts they use to get to and from buildings. And then I tell them like, then why do we only have six minutes between classes? And they're like, just walk. (laughs) Walk fast. (laughs) Yeah. Walk fast. And automotive is in seclusion. Like we're on the very edge of the premises. Like there's this big circle that is our campus. Automotive is like this branch off into the side, but they expect us to get to and from before. And I know whenever I told my teachers, because automotive is never the last class of the day, I was like, I come from automotive. Give me a break. And they're like, oh, we get it. (laughs) (laughs) At least they're understanding. At least. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's, that's cool. I, I think so when, when you sign up for this, is it laid out? And, and again, this changes amongst schools across the U.S. So it's it's there's uniqueness to what you're doing as compared to maybe what we're doing locally up here in Wisconsin. When you select that path, is it just – is it kind of a almost like a career pathway or an educational pathway to where you select this and – these are the classes you should take because you're in that like, so is it they're laying out the classes that you're going to go into? Or is it more like, hey, these are electives, you're going to have to take these over the course of your your school career at some point? How, how does that work? Um, for automotive, there are no required courses that you need to take to be a part of the program. But there are a lot of suggested courses that you should actually take. So I remember being told like, you should take physics, definitely take physics, or you should take chemistry, you know, get to knowledge about that sort of thing. And then I took those classes and then I took different math courses to learn. And it it was helpful to know those sort of things. So there are suggested courses that would be helpful in just your knowledge, but to actually get the certifications, they're not necessary. What do you have to do to get the certification then? The certification, you have to do all of the book work. So you can do it through this thing called CDX, which is um, just another automotive program to give you the ideas of a car. Uh, And then you have a lectude. And both of them just give you practice quizzes and give you curriculum to study. And at the end, you take an ASE certification test. If you pass that, then you get the student level certification. And then you can go on to take the adult certification. I think there's eight total that you can get. And after that, you can go for the master's certification. When you have a master's certification, it lasts for a certain amount of time before it expires, but you can basically get hired on into a shop right away. But I think to have a master's certification, you also need to have shop experience. Yes. So there's, I don't remember how many years it is, 
but it's it's a lot. <laughs> were, were you able to get any of those? No, no master certifications. But, but any have, of the others? No, actually. No. no that, my, my program was in upheaval the entire year. There were a couple that I qualified for and I was going to go for, but I decided not to in the end just because it was too complicated to actually make it work. Well, and if you're if you're going to engineering school, it might not apply or you might not prioritize it the way that you would if you were going down the pathway of going into a shop, right? Yeah. Like I wanted to get the certifications, but they expire after two years at the student level anyway. So I was like, I'll put a pin in it. Maybe I can get it in the future if I just go to a technical school after my four-year university. So is that something you're considering? Yes, definitely. But just, it depends on what happens after four years. Like yeah. after I get my bachelor's, then maybe maybe it won't be something I'm considering anymore. But right now I'm still interested in it. I'm still fascinated with it. And I still can see myself getting those certifications. Good for you. Good for you. So let's let's segue this back to, and as I mentioned before, I'm trying to piece all this together because you, you do have a lot of different stuff that you're involved in. But going back to SkillsUSA, I, I want to talk a little bit more in depth on SkillsUSA as a whole. Again, I'm hugely supportive of it. I was the chair of our diesel committee here in Wisconsin for quite a few years, just recently gave that up. So it, it's something near and dear to my heart. I think what SkillsUSA does as a whole is really, really impactful to young people. And, you know, it's something I think I, I want to see continue to grow, right? I think that's something where when when you look at it, maybe this is just my perception, but it feels like it's growing. It feels like more young people are really starting to understand what it is and how impactful it is. General awareness from a student's perspective, does does kind of everybody know what Skills USA is now, or is it more for those geared towards STEM careers? Um, it's definitely an undervalued organization, in my opinion. I mean, I suppose I'm biased (laughs) because I've been so involved with it for so long, but there's definitely more schools that could take advantage of it, but don't either because they're unaware of it or because they just don't have the instructor resources to take advantage of it. Um, but I think that Skills USA in general is definitely more just STEM careers. I know once I joined, I joined through automotive, like I said, but I actually did a competition of leadership when I was a freshman, just you know to get my feet wet. And I think that most schools should be aware of it and should have a chapter because it's just a great opportunity for students and it goes so far into that career and into what you can do. And it's just, I think it definitely needs more attention. <laughs> Have you heard of Runtway School Connect? Runtway School Connect is a free tool that makes it easier for schools to connect with local shops and dealerships and get the resources they need to attract students to technician programs and educate them about the industry. Schools can post requests for donations and resources from shops, and shops can post resources they have available to schools in their area. Shops and schools can visit runtway.com to contact us and learn more. Link is in the show notes. Well, in something like leadership, that's going to apply to anything you ever do, right? Like it doesn't matter what career you go into. If you have exposure to leadership and and leadership training, leadership, you know, like you talked about getting up in front of a bunch of people and talking, that's, that's hard to do, right? Even as an adult, I do a lot of presentations and speeches in front of a lot of people. And I don't think people quite understand or grasp the, the the preparation that goes into it and how difficult it is. And for you to do it at such a young age, I, I think one speaks a lot to who you are, but two, like 
you're going to have to do that over the course of your career, right? You're going to have to get up and talk in front of people, regardless of what you do at some point during your career. Was that impactful to you to, to be able to get up in front of people and in, in be able to, to talk? Because I, I do think that's a skill that's just under, you said it before, undervalued in general, but I, that specifically is one where people are just terrified to get up and talk in front of people. Yeah, that was a skill I didn't know I had before I joined Skills USA, but it turns out I love public speaking. Yeah. I I do. That was the first opportunity I had to like really public speak, but it really it just amazed me. It was really amazing just to stand in front of those people and I felt brave. And it was just it was the confidence boost I needed at that time. <laughs> so it really sent me off into that leadership world and being able to speak in front of people People, being able to speak to new people is something that I value every day. It makes interview processes easier. Just being able to have a conversation or to quickly orient yourself to the type of conversation you're having. I and mean, I definitely got a lot of practice with that through Skills USA. And were you nervous? Yeah, nervous every single time. <laughs> There's never not nerves when you're dealing with me. <laughs> but you learn to overcome them. That's what I've found is once you get over them and once you're done with it, you're like, wow, I just did that. And that's, right? that's one of the most amazing feelings in the world. I don't think that goes away, by the way. Like I, I still get butterflies before I go speak to a group. And I had just done a, a, a keynote like a month or so ago. And it was a long one. It was like an hour and a half long. And it is it's it's intense. Like there's it, it takes a lot to get up there and and be confident in what you're talking about. And uh, I think it's I think it's so cool that you did that at such an early age because that will again impact you for the rest of your life. Now, with the leadership side of skills, what what were you doing there? Like, give me an idea of when you were going through that leadership side as a freshman. What was it? Just I, I mean, whatever. What was everything that was leadership, or what were you learning as you were going through that? So at the regional level, the biggest responsibility you have is to just do the opening and closing ceremony at the um, regional competition. So that's what we were training towards. And it was really good for me to start there because it was an introduction to Skills USA. And because I was a regional officer, I had the opportunity to go to the Florida Fall Leadership Conference. It's called Maximize now, but it's a leadership training where they develop different skills. Uh, the biggest thing that Skills USA has to help like measure student success is the skills USA framework. It's a list of different, they call them essential elements, which are just different skills like professionalism, work ethic, responsibility, teamwork, things that they see are required to be successful in careers. And they actually interviewed different industries and different businesses and companies to ask them what they look for in new employees and what they should be trained in before they leave high school or college. And that was what they answered with was the Skills USA framework. So following that, I learned a lot about those essential elements and I just try and add them to my own resume and what I am capable of in different trainings like that. That was what regional leadership did for me was gave me the idea of what I'm looking for. And they gave me the experience to actually learn them. And it's legit formal, right? I, I know I've sat through leadership conferences here in Wisconsin that Skills USA puts on. And when you go, it's no joke. Like you, you guys are serious and you're, you know, you're, it's, it's a formal meeting and, you know, it's a lot of really really skilled young people. I, I Every year I go to it, I walk away really, really impressed. 
Yeah, there's time for work and then there's time for play. So at the Fall Leadership Conference, there's different sessions, at least for Florida Fall Leadership Conference, is that they have sessions where you learn about the skills that you need to know, but then you actually get to do fun activities to implement them and kind of conceptualize them again in your head to see what it should be like in the real world. So I think it's a mixture of both and they find that balance so that students best absorb that knowledge and best use it in their futures. Well, and I think for for the shops that are out there listening right now, as you're looking through a young person's resume, a lot of times it's, I think, athletics or it's different types of things that a young person will put on the resume. But this is the kind of stuff that there there's some... There's some depth to it, right? There's there's some real training. There's some uh, for me being able to be at at each of these conferences. Really, it's a different kind of person. And when I say that, it's a somebody that, in my eyes, is proactive and really serious about their training and that wants to wants to to succeed, right? And I think when you're looking at that, and if if you're looking at a young person's experience, that that to me is a huge, huge bonus. If for you to be able to put that on your resume in the years moving forward, I do think speaks to an employer. And, and for those employers that are out there listening, Make sure you look out for that because there there is some real training there. I always take as much training as I can whenever I'm given the opportunity to. That's pretty awesome. So how did this how did you parlay this into the national level then? Like how you you were at the regional level, then went to the national level. What was it that drove you to go that direction and how did you get there? Oh well, remember that mindset that had me first join, which is just do it. <laughs> Um, I was pushed into that direction. They were just like, why not just try for it? I really had a lot of doors opened up for me being involved in the organization and people saw my ability. They saw my potential and they supported me to go forward and they gave me the idea of what I could do. And I set that goal for myself as a freshman because I saw the reason why I wanted to join in the first place was because of that video I saw about Skills USA. In it, I saw national officers speaking in front of thousands of people. And I said, I want to be the kind of person who can do that one day. And flash forward to today, and in two weeks now, I will be speaking in front of like 3,000 people at wow. the national conference. And oh. I'm very excited for it. I mean, like I have mentioned, there's butterflies, so <laughs> many butterflies. But at the end of the day, I'm super excited. And it's just amazing to see that I've actually reached my goal. It took four years. It took a pandemic to get through and still just clinging on to what I wanted to do within this organization and making it here. And it's it's a really full circle moment and I'm very excited for it. You should be. Speaking in front of 3,000 people, that is insane. That is so cool. I... <laughs> I'm ecstatic, really. And I don't even know how many people. I know there's going to be thousands, but I don't have the exact registration number or the RSVP kind of thing just to get a general idea of how many people are coming to each session. But yeah, three big group things in like the Georgia World Congress Center in the big stadium next to the Georgia World Congress Center that the name is slipping my mind right now. (laughs) Speaking there would be great. And it just reminds me of being that regional officer who had no idea what she was doing, but then was told like, you'd be good as a state officer. And then who had enough will to go forward one year all online. 
And then being able to get to national office this year was honestly one of the greatest experiences of my life. So you should be. Uh, How so are you elected to this or is it a like like an interview type process? How does that work? It is a little bit of both, actually. So it is an election. Different delegations from each state, depending on the population of each state, they send a certain number of students who are either at the state level or regional level, just leadership, they're sent to nationals. Last year, it was all online, but I'll tell you about what it is in person. They're sent to nationals as delegates. They go through a little training where they learn different parliamentary procedure and they do an actual debate type thing. And then you have these national officers, these candidates They put in an application. The application is an essay or two. It's a video introduction. And then if you get through that, you have a test, a SkillsUSA knowledge test, because you should, um, the belief is you should elect a leader who knows what they're doing in the organization. So you have that. And if you pass that, then you go on to an interview with national staff. They do the interview based off the SkillsUSA framework. So there's different essential elements that they evaluate within you. And that one's really more... It's not so much pass or fail because it's really hard to fail that kind of interview. They're just making sure like, yeah, this person is good. They're a good fit. You know, they're making sure they're not absolutely crazy. So once you get through that, then you actually go to the delegation where you give a speech in front of them. You get a problematic question and then the delegates themselves elect you into office. There's 12 Wait, no, 10, sorry. There's 10 high school positions available for national office and five post-secondary positions available for national office. This year was a little bit of a strange year. We only had six national officers total. So I still had to be elected into the position, but there was less stress about competing with other people. But I did run in an at-large position and there's only five of those available. So there was still fear (laughs) surrounding my position, but it was an exciting opportunity to actually do last year campaigning myself. But this year, yeah, we all got in. It was fun and we've been working as a team. And I personally think having a smaller team has been more fun and more educational for all of us. Yeah. It, it's been great. <laughs> is it is it a lot more work with less of a team? Definitely. <laughs> yeah. I'd say in a normal year with like a full team of 15 national officers where we only have six, there's normally 15. Definitely not all of them are traveling. There's probably some people who wouldn't even get to speak on stage. But this year, I speak in 15 different blocks on stage at nationals. And I've gone on at least six, seven trips across the U.S. to visit different states to do different trainings. I mean, I made it all the way to Las Vegas. (laughs) Really? Yeah, which I thought was really fun. That was, yes, that was an amazing experience. I'd say that was the farthest I'd gone but different things. Like I visited Missouri. I've been all over Florida for obvious reasons. I've been to Atlanta a couple of times. We visited DC, Nebraska, um, Ohio just recently, just all those trips. And I know in a normal year, I definitely wouldn't have had that many opportunities. That's cool. You get, you get to see the country at a fairly young age. And I think it's always good to just see different parts of the country and see how people live differently in, in different parts of the country. And, and I always say like, for for me, I've I've traveled a lot, and it's funny. Like people just aren't that different, right? Like it, like there's there are differences or uniquenesses about different regions of the country, but for the most part, people are people, right? Like it's it's not yeah. not not anything too crazy. It's one of our fun conversations in the team is to talk about the differences between our state and theirs, and there's a, there's a lot of them, of course, but yeah. it's not so much so that it's like a different species. No, <laughs> it's these little things like how they say soda. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> it is funny. In my small town that I grew up, we said pop. And mm-hmm. so when I moved away, I, you know, everybody else says soda. So I said soda. And then now I go back home and everybody still says pop. So it is little, little things like that, that, that happen. But, but it is cool. I, I give you a lot of credit because I think that just helps you become more well-rounded as you, you know, enter the next stage of your life. And, and you've been able to see a lot of things that maybe a lot of other kids just haven't. And, and I give you credit for being proactive and setting those goals as such a young person, right? When, when you're in eighth grade and a freshman year, and you're looking at those leadership classes, and then, you know, looking at the automotive side, I, 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 I do give you a heck of a lot of credit for actually just going out and doing it. Like there's a lot of people that become paralyzed by that and just don't do it. So I, I give you a ton of credit for that. Yeah, I just wanted to. <laughs> so I went for it and it I don't regret anything I've done. Like there's been moments where I felt overwhelmed or stressed out or I've embarrassed myself in trying to talk to new people. But at the end of the day, I can move past it. I can learn from it and I can find joy in it. So that's just what I live by to take those opportunities to alleviate some of that fear I might have about going for it. I I read in a book once that you're supposed to fail fast, right? So (laughs) the, the faster you can fail, the more you'll learn. And if you can... If you th- this all of this stuff that you're learning about is fascinating to me because I think it is something where you're you're almost you're speeding up the process a little bit. You're you're doing a lot of things that a lot of people don't get exposure to until they're adults and really been in the ex- experienced adults that have been in their careers and and you're you're out in front of this, which is really cool. Now, did you ever take part in a competition like the well, uh, like a- the Skills USA competitions? Yes. When I was a freshman, I did prepared speech. So I wrote a speech about a prompt that they gave and I memorized it and I performed it in front of a couple judges. And that was where I really realized that I liked it. I liked public speaking and I liked Skills USA because I had to do a lot of research for that speech. But once I got through to it, I realized the value of it and I enjoyed doing it. And I came first at the regional level. I came third at the state level. Which, good for you. Yeah, I, I had fun. It was a good experience. Good for you. Well, this is fascinating. I think your your future is incredibly bright. We hope that it, it's in automotive at some level or machinery, trucking, you know, whatever. I think there's just what you've set yourself up to do in your future is really to have an impact on a lot of people. And so I give you a lot of credit for that and wish you the best of luck moving forward. I think you've, you've got a lot of great things ahead of you and, and just keep working hard, keep doing your thing and you're going to be really, really successful. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Have a great day. We'll stay in touch with you. At some point, we'll have you back on as you're going through USF or maybe after graduation to check in and see how your how your career is going. And, and I think there'll be some interested people to see see which way you go. So we, we appreciate your time and look forward to following you along. Thank you so much. 